Well, hello everyone and welcome to The Dinner Table. My name is Aislinn Campbell and of course right here at The Dinner Table, as always with me is my favorite co-host, Joe Hilliard. My favorite co-host. Yeah, favorite in a sea of one. <laughs> it's like saying your favorite child, right? You're well, my no. favorite child. You're the one I'm with right here, right now. I'm just going to take the compliment. <laughs> you want to talk some show business real quick? Yeah, let's talk some show business. Last week's episode, the third highest listened to week we've ever had. The third highest? You know what the number one is? Uh, Ian and Monica O'Keefe. Our very first friend with benefits. Yeah, with Ian and Monica. I can't wait for COVID to be over so we can do that again. Yes. So I'm thinking that maybe we'll get that ha to happen sooner rather than later. That like would be nice. Maybe before COVID's over that with. Because be nice. I mean, COVID, we could be dealing with COVID till 2022. We certainly could. One thing that we dealt with this past Saturday was an idea that you had. Saturday Night Live, I mean, Saturday Night Live episode that we did. Saturday Night at the Dinner Table might be a more Saturday appropriate Night at the title, Dinner Table. But we yeah. uh, shot some video. We did, and we chit-chatted with faces on the video, and the concept is just giving a little bit more hoopla to the podcast so that more people know how to find the podcast. So if everything goes according to plan, we'll do that every Saturday night on a Facebook Live. Check out our Facebook page. And then we have even more news. If you go to our website, dinnertabletalks.com, this is all the stuff that podcasts that I listen to when they're in a big growth spurt begin uh -huh. to say, and we get to say it today. It's very Yay. exciting. If you go to our website, dinnertabletalks.com, you will find a brand new button there underneath the description. It simply says support, mm -hmm. and you can click that link and begin supporting us monthly if that's a thing that you might be interested in doing. You would just click that button a dollar a month or a hundred dollars a month. I mean, whatever. If, I mean, if the, yeah, if the podcast awesome. gives you value, there are tip <laughs> jars and virtual tip jars all around us right now. Well, we are putting ours out and saying it's there. And the last way that you can support us, we say it not often enough, tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Why don't we get on with the show? I think we should get on with the show. On the way home... We pass by a donut shop every single day. Now, I never stop to buy donuts, but they have made a partnership with a Valley fruit vendor that sets up in their parking lot and has been there for a while. It's likely Rio Grande Valley, someone from the Rio Grande Valley that's picking stuff up and bringing it up here and setting it up. And they're getting stuff from Mexico, but they're also harvesting stuff from yeah, the I, Rio Grande Valley when too. When I drive by on the way home, I'm going to see a handwritten sign that says avocados or bananas. Yeah, but that, they're all very seasonal right now. And no, I don't stop by regularly and do that. But if you understand seasonality and you stop at those places when you know the stuff local near you as near as possible is in season, then you're going to get, you know, as similar to what I'm looking for. Now, they're not organic. There is no organic to it. But I'm buying fresh, ripe produce from a close area. I went over there and I bought $11 worth of produce. I bought more tomatoes than we needed to make a pico de gallo we were, we were planning on making that night. Put a pin in that. Mm -hmm. and uh, and the onions as well. Mm -hmm. And then I bought two ripe pineapples, which I know a lot of people in our house don't love pineapples. I am one of those people. But these pineapples 
are so delicious. I mean, they are so ripe and so easy to cut open. I just always go back to the concept that I just really believe that if you got trained to eat pineapples, strawberries, things like that in the grocery store, then you don't know what good fruit tastes like. Don't know what you're missing. Right. Because those pineapples compared to the pineapples you're buying from some major massive company that's sending them over from who knows where, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about they just harvested these pineapples and they're perfectly ripe and ready to go. And they're so sweet. And the same thing with the mangoes. They're just so sweet and so delicious. And the other thing about pineapples that I love is that all I have to do is cut the top off of the pineapple and replant it, and I can grow a pineapple here in my own backyard. Yeah, I know that you've got one working in the backyard now. I do. And they don't come out very big. They're usually like baby pineapples, but I can grow a pineapple. It usually takes about two years if I'm serious about it, and I make sure it gets watered every morning. And then I got home, and I had $5 worth of mangoes, which is a lot of mangoes. It's an entire box of mangoes. I think it was like 10 full-size ripe mangoes. Things that we can't sit on the shelf and let them sit there for a few days because they're going to no. begin mm -mm. degrading. No. Yeah. I went ahead and cut up one of the mangoes and one of the pineapples, put those away. And then what I did was I took five mangoes and basically delivered them to our neighbors. And then one of our city council members, a friend of ours, who's our district council person, stopped by to drop off a mask for you. The most badass mask that I could possibly own. Uh-huh. If you got to own a mask, put a little style into it. Right. And so because of that, if you come to my door while I've got a box full of mangoes, guess what? You're taking You're home a mango. A mango. And it just, it feels... And it, it, you know what's funny? Because I, I wasn't with you when you delivered them to the neighbors. I said, how did the neighbors like them? And you were like, yeah, they all said, wow, thank you. Great. Yeah. You can go buy a mango at the grocery store right now. There is nothing special necessarily about right. a mango. There has to be something special about, though, the surprise mango. Right. Because Ben, our city council person, was like, whoa, whoa, wow, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Forgetting that you could yeah. just literally go to the grocery store and buy a mango. But there's something that's about not the, the gifting. Point. The yes. gifting. Yes, exactly. And that's what I was thinking about. And I've got to be honest about this. I hope, I every hope that you would single, be. Every single thing that I have ever done in life, if I'm not honest about the fact that I do it for myself, then I'm not being honest with you. And so all of the community advocacy and community voice and volunteerism. There's and an underlying gift, sense of selfishness. There's an underlying sense of selfishness. And it's not because I'm mean or selfish. It's because you need that's, food. Yeah, well, that's that's life. That's life. And the, the fact of the matter is, is that it feels good to me to walk up to my neighbor's door, knock on the door, they open the door and I go, here's a mango. I had extras. And I go, I didn't grow this mango, but I had plenty. So here's some for you because I want to be the person that feeds people. Here's some delicious food. I've got plenty. And it makes me feel good and I love it. And my neighbors were happy. Oh my gosh, I love mangoes, one of my neighbors said, you know? And then the other thing that happens is that then you go and knock on the door of people and you check on people. You know, I learned that one of our neighbors whose husband has been in the nursing home because he had a stroke two years ago when COVID started happening, she could not see her husband. It's and she was very, one of those people that was there every single day before COVID started. And I had talked to her about it because I would worked in that industry for a little while and I was trying to figure out how to help her and how to get in a situation where maybe she could get him home. And what she ended up doing was finding a job at the facility as a housekeeper. Wow. 
so that she can be there with her husband every day. That's and a, she's it's an incredible story. I think that's an important part of neighbors and neighboring and neighborhoods. One of the things that I always valued and saw in Maine that I always felt there was an element of that here in Texas. And there's that rural side of me where it's like, you know, your neighbors, even if they're a long way away. And the reason you know your neighbors is because you might need their help or they may need your help. And you need to know each other in case of, you know, an emergency or something like that. And if you think about a part of the country where they get 10 feet of snow, they're stuck in their home. If there's no one ever coming around to check and knock on the door and make sure that everyone in the house is okay. And so it's kind of that same concept. Well, the notion that it takes a village, it takes a tribe. It takes a village, yeah. That the power of 10 people working together will exceed the power of one or two people working together. And America has gotten away from good old-fashioned neighborhooding. We have we are food abundant. Of course. And we're going to talk more about that this podcast. But if I could say, okay, well, what is this podcast about? Well, food abundance. We have a lot of food and it's good food. And we, we want to do our part to contribute in the way that makes sense. It's going to be one of those episodes. Some a long t- and winding road. <laughs> this is going to be one of those episodes where I go, Aislinn, we can talk 20 minutes on each thing, but we've got a lot of unanswered questions to get to. Yes. Unanswered questions. It's the wrap up of stuff from last week that we needed to just clarify a little bit. Yeah. But it can't start without the gong. Unanswered questions. Last week I asked you what your favorite store-bought cookie was. And you gave me the song and dance about how I never eat store-bought cookies and I'm better than store-bought cookies. But then you finally said (laughs) Oreos would be the one I mentioned pig fat. I can't eat them. And you were accurate to say, no, they don't use pig fat in those anymore because that's a vegan item. But there's a reason why I was so entrenched in the idea that there's pig fat or lard in Mm -hmm. the middle of an Oreo, the cream part. Mm -hmm. I said said cream. I should have said creme. Creme. Because it's spelled C-R-E-M-E on the package. And that's not a typo. The creamy filling inside an Oreo is not C-R-E-A-M cream. Because and it's the F- literally not made. And the FDA prohibits you from saying the word cream, cream or dairy or milk if there is no cream or dairy or milk. Interesting. The original recipe for Oreo cream filling contained lard. Uh-huh. Also known as did. pig fat. Yeah. But they switched the recipe to partially hydrogenated vegetable oil in the 90s. Now, pre-90, me and some friends decided to take a few bags of Oreos, twist them open, Uh and stick the white side onto the windshield of a person we were pranking. I've heard these types of stories before. And we went, I mean, like, there's no square centimeter of wind. Oh, the whole windshield? The whole windshield. You get to your car in the parking lot. Food waster, whatever. Quote, unquote, food. (laughs) Right. And so the security, we we did this at our campus, high school campus. Well, the security guard begins walking over toward us. And we're like, oh, no. Uh Uh-oh. We're busted. We're doing something that's against school code here. Comes up, takes a look at the car, our work. Mm -hmm. Takes a look at us, says, you know what's in those? Uh, No, sir. What's in them? Pig fat. Turns around, walks off. (laughs) Oh, so that's why you said pig fat. Pig fat and Oreos have gone hand in hand in my mind since that wonderful prank. We never got caught. It's always funny to me when I see like Skittles are gluten free (laughs) and Oreos are vegan. Right. Great. So all the healthy people can eat Skittles and Oreos. 
it doesn't completely make sense to me, which I'm not belittling any type of diet because everyone has to do what they have to do for their own bodies. But for me, more important than anything else is real food. We had a great table topics question. We'll have one at the end of this episode. That's the unrehearsed, we don't know what the question is going to be, draw it from a box. And the question was about Noah's Ark. What animal would you leave off of the Ark? You said rattlesnakes. I didn't argue with you. I said mosquitoes. You argued with me. Roaches also came Wait, up. Wait, that's not fair. You argued with me You can go back and everything. listen. You, can go you back argued and... with me. You, you mean you cut out the part where you argued with me? You can go back and listen. I will tell you when that episode was done, I was like, I am so glad we got that question because Noah's Ark is a genius way to make a billion great jokes. <laughs> well, there's no joking. No yucking? That rattlesnakes, mosquitoes, roaches, they're all here for a purpose. Even yes. if we forget the purpose, neglect to learn the purpose, don't see the purpose. Or think we're the most important thing that ever existed on the planet and nothing else is as important as us. And so therefore, if it annoys us, then it shouldn't exist. I'm going to tell you the reasons why biologists believe that rattlesnakes are important. Okay. The Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation estimates a rattlesnake eats an average of 21 rodents a year. So if an area like your farm, for example, had 100 rattlesnakes. Good Lord. That would account for 2,100 rodents falling prey. I now, think I would prefer like an indigo snake that ate the rattlesnakes and then also ate the additional rodents Now listen as well. to this. <laughs> Timber rattlesnakes specifically eat rodents who are host to ticks that are vectors for Lyme disease. On the Facebook where we asked this question or talked about it, someone right. said ticks, question mark. I thought that was interesting. Like ticks, is that one of the ones we can get rid of? <laughs> so snakes reducing the rodent population in almost any part of America is reducing the prevalence of Lyme disease. Huh. So that's a little okay. cleanup okay. thing that okay. they do. Uh, when I mentioned mosquitoes, we'll get there in a second. You said can't get rid of mosquitoes because everything eats mosquitoes. Well, a mm -hmm. lot of things eat snakes. Mm -hmm. Owls, eagles, hawks. Other birds of prey, foxes, coyotes, feral cats, and even turkeys all eat rattlesnakes. And even other snakes eat rattlesnakes. Yep. So they do have... That's that indigo... A place snake. in our circle of life. I think the rattlesnakes are great as long as they stay far, 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 far away from me. Mosquitoes, <laughs> my answer, the correct one, are arguably the deadliest animal in the world to humans. And that includes other humans. They spread diseases like malaria, yellow fever, West Nile virus, Zika, which together, and all the other diseases that they help spread, cause more deaths each year than war and homicide combined. Oh, fun. <laughs> Is it? So eliminating these diseases would save millions of lives, and without mosquitoes, the diseases would cease to exist. However, we can't discount the helpful thing that mosquitoes do in our environment. The larvae of mosquitoes live in water and provide food for a lot of fish. Uh-huh. And also including larger larvae of other species such as dragonflies. We like those. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. The larvae themselves eat microscopic organic matter in the water, helping to recycle water. They That's, clean the water. They clean the water. Uh-huh. And adult mosquitoes, as you mentioned last week, are make up part of the diet of some insect-eating animals, birds, bats, dragonflies, spiders... And they also help pollinate some flowers when they consume nectar. So Yes, it has value, the mosquito. The, the idea still goes back to me putting the human species above all other species. There's definitely a, an understanding about the, a higher level of consciousness. <laughs> However, 
we're still a species. Most species on this planet, humans included, mm -hmm. with rare exception, are most concerned about their own welfare. Sure. Yeah, we're, that is ingrained in us. That part sure. I know. Roaches. Yes, you're roaches. Gonna, you're going to love this. Roaches, as you can imagine, are a significant food source for all kinds of things. Uh -huh. Our chickens uh -huh. eat roaches. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Birds, mice, etc. eat roaches. Even some humans eat roaches in some parts of the world. Uh-huh. But that's not Roach's big deal. No. You mentioned it last yes. week. You mentioned that they help decompose things. Yes. That without them, we would be living in piles of decomposing naturally material. But they are very, very, very important in something called the nitrogen cycle, which I know you know all about. In nature, when forests drop leaves mm -hmm. or a tree falls and begins to rot, mm -hmm. the cockroaches feed on that decaying organic matter. And that decaying organic matter has trapped a bunch of nitrogen. Yes. So cockroaches eating that stuff gets in their feces, which then gets into the soil, uh -huh. which is then used by plants. Uh -huh. In short, we really really need cockroach poop. Yes, we do. What I learned in all the research is that each of these species, which may give us the willies or bite us when we're at a picnic, have got serious ecological purposes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from the day we arrive on the planet and blinking step into the sun, there's more to see that can ever be seen, more to do that can ever be done. There's far too much to take in here, more to find that can ever be found, but the sun rolling high through the sapphire sky keeps great <laughs> and small on the endless round. It's the circle of life. Is that what that was? <laughs> There's one more unanswered question here, and you can ask it of me. We talked about going to our local seafood market and how they had everything. I could even bought an octopus, and you said, we should buy some octopus and eat it. We now should. ask me, have we bought octopus and eaten it? Have we bought octopus and... I know we haven't bought octopus and We haven't and <laughs> bought octopus and eaten it. And here's what I think we need for the show. What do we need? A list. Okay. Because on the show, we say, we should make that. We should make that. And we don't write it down anywhere. And we haven't you begun a list? Didn't no, you do this? not for the show. No. But the list. I'm going to put octopus on the list. And while I've got a list going, is there anything that you want to put on the list? And the list means meals that you would like to have on this show. With octopus? With anything. Okay, but with octopus, paella. Okay. Because that's the first time I ever ate little baby octopus and didn't get all like weirded out about it. Paella coming up, episode 94. Go ahead. <laughs> this Good. list is a living document. Is there anything you want to put on it though before we move on? I can't think of anything else. All I can think about is octopusy. Well, I can think. Oh, I can think. <laughs> I'm just going to let you get all of this what out of What was the system. name of that uh, um, TV show, Octopussy? No, it's a James Bond James, movie. James Bond movie. That. Octopussy. And that was the name of the movie? That was the name of the movie. And the name of the femme fatale was Pussy Galore. Hmm. Fun. Chicken spaghetti. Yeah. Chicken spaghetti is one of those recipes that I didn't remember where it had actually started at. And apparently my mom got it from my dad's mom, Mimi. But it was one of those recipes that when your mom makes a special meal for you because you got a good grade or it's your birthday or whatever the thing is, this was one of those dishes for me. For you. Yes. Chicken spaghetti, but nothing like what, if you just do a search for chicken spaghetti, you're going to get more of like what's chicken tetrazzini to me. This really cheesy with cream of mushroom soup, cream of chicken soup. 
that kind of chicken spaghetti. But this is not that at all either. I don't even know how to describe it's this. It's a casserole. Yeah, it's a, sp a chicken spaghetti casserole. The way that you would make it back in the day was that you would take your noodles and you would soak them in chicken broth. Right. That was a part of what made the recipe so delicious. Yeah, you cook the noodles in broth. It also has cumin, chili powder, and oregano in it. Yeah. And then chunks of chicken. My mom would put like a heavy, heavy layer of Parmesan cheese yes. on top of it. And when you cooked it, it wasn't creamy or juicy. It was dry. It was a dry recipe. And every day that would go by, it would be even more delicious because the noodles would suck that flavor That's in. The beauty of even the casserole. More. Mm -hmm. So she had made for my dad and my brother and his family out at the farm the chicken spaghetti, but she'd used a spaghetti squash for the noodles. And she reported back to me like almost immediately. It was well received. Everyone loved the recipe. And of course, I'm trying not to eat the grain. So to come up with a pasta recipe. A pasta alternative. Especially for one of my favorite dishes. Was a no-brainer. It was awesome. I had asked your mom for her chicken spaghetti recipe prior to now. And she sent me a photograph of handwritten notes mm -hmm. that might have been your Mimi's, might have been hers. That's and, what I had gotten before, too. And when you asked that we do it again, I said, okay, I'll get the recipe from your mom again. She goes, I can't find that. But here is one that I have found online that is the closest to. Uh-huh. We'll post that on our different social media. Yes. This is definitely a recipe everyone should try. It's certainly in our rotation because, as you described, it's just mm -hmm. one of your favorites. But mm -hmm. we had never done it with a spaghetti squash mm -hmm. and spaghetti squash is a winter squash winter squash mm -hmm. and what i've done in the past is you slice it horizontally two halves oil face up in the oven you roast it mm -hmm. and spaghetti squash has this great little trait that when you roast it then you can take a fork and peel off the meat of mm -hmm. the squash and mm -hmm. it comes off like noodles mm -hmm. well when we were at the farm not too long ago your mom said i'm making this but i'm doing my spaghetti squash in the instant pot mm -hmm. man 15 minutes pierce that spaghetti squash a few times with a paring knife put it on the basket inside your instant pot 15 minutes later it was perfect i might go 18 minutes next time uh -huh. then you assemble your casserole all of the ingredients that you listed it's a dump casserole, so I've got tomato paste in there and a can of crushed tomatoes. Mushrooms. Mushrooms, Which certainly. I love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And instead of noodles mm -hmm. boiling in any broth, I just substituted the spaghetti squash. You cook it. We ate How on it. How did you get the broth in the spaghetti squash? Because you cooked the noodles in the chicken broth was the old recipe. Right. How did the chicken broth get into the spaghetti squash? Because that's an important part of the recipe. I will take some notes on this recipe, and one of them is going to be to use less tomato paste. Mm -hmm. The recipe as created made everything too thick tomatoey, mm -hmm. which I know is not your mm -hmm, favorite. Mm -hmm. So I just diluted it with some chicken broth. It was good, though. And we ate it the night you made it, and then we ate some leftovers, and then you froze half of it. Yeah. So we have it for another day. And then there was a little bit, a little bit left over, and I ate it cold one day for my breakfast. How was the cold? It was perfect. The flavor of it was just so good after it had some time to soak. It was better every day that you ate it. As a child, do you think immediately of other recipes like chicken spaghetti that were those pass them down through the generations, the most special ones your mom or dad made for you? Yes. Chicken and dumplings. Mm. And, we, and, and, we, and you have passed that along in our home. Yes. Yeah. And then my grandmother used to make lasagna. 
But then when my grandfather passed away, we quit calling it lasagna and started calling it noodle pie because it wasn't yeah. lasagna at all. Am I putting noodle pie on the list? Oh, yeah. You should totally noodle put noodle pie. pie. Done. And what noodle pie was, a very American version of using lasagna noodles to make a casserole with American, American cheese. cheese. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're not using American cheese. No, we are not. Ground beef and then like a can of tomato sauce. And you layered it, and that was it. That was one of the things that when my grandmother made like, that, it was we like, were, it was like, yay, it's lasagna night. Pe- but it was really food, noodle pie. Peasant food with great childhood memories. Oh, absolutely. My mom's is the uh, roast and her steak fingers and fried okra. And I've been racking my brain to answer that question, and I can't think of. I know she did other things, but. I think that the steak fingers that we make is passing that tradition along to our kids. Yeah. My ex-husband's grandmother, Nini, she was a fantastic cook. And interestingly enough, her best things were roast. Mm-hmm. When she made a roast, it was a really good roast. And we've talked about how we're not a big fan of roasts in the house. I'm more of a fan of roasts than you are. When they're done well, they're very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I just haven't had one done well here yet. Bullshit. <laughs> Nini made a good roast and everybody liked Nini's roast. But she also made fantastic steak fingers, same thing. And then the other two things that she did that you pretty much kind of lost whenever whenever Ninny passed was that she made this delicious cake with fudge icing on it. Yeah. And then she made yeast rolls. Oh, boy. And oh, good Lord. I like a good yeast roll. And not just were they good with the meal that she made them with, but the next day yeah. when you'd cut Butter. them open and toast them mm. and then put like jam or jelly on mm, them. Honey. Ooh, and I think that my ex-husband's mom actually kind of picked up some of those traditions and carries it on for the kids, like you're talking about, to try to carry those traditions on to the next level. My grandmother was a deliverer of food. Like I talked about the mangoes earlier. Yeah. Well, both of my grandmothers were, but Mimi in particular, she made blueberry pies and everyone was expecting to get a blueberry pie from Mimi or an apple pie from Mimi. She'd she just made show pies. up and say, oh, I made an extra pie and it's got your name on it. Well, you know how back in the old days there was a lot of Pie ladies... on a windowsill? I've seen that in cartoons. Right, I guess. But what I was going to say was there was ladies that, you know, did the church visiting, yes, you know, yes. and they would take flowers yes. and they would take food yes. and they would take a card well my mimi was those traditions still exist she was that she did that big time yeah. she was a visitor yeah. and she would go yeah, and you visit have a heart people. for that and you tend that becomes like an area of service mm-hmm. for you because there's so many people mm-hmm. in a congregation or community be it a church or something else that mm-hmm. need a loving kind of a visit Visit. Just like we talked about at the beginning of this, yeah. I'm going to knock on your door. I've got a mango for you. So I, there's a lot of that that comes through in me. I love that. Last week, we talked about that my daughter had turned 16. Big 16. So here we are at the driving age. Oh, boy. This has been a conversation that has been like floating around the dinner table. It's floating around in her mind. Sure. So every time she talks about something, mostly that's what it is these days. And she's thinking about cars and she's talking about cars. And so she yells out at us. We're both at different computers in the other room. Hey, mom, how much is your car payment? I said, zero. I don't do car payments. I kind of got quiet. And then you jumped in. Car payments are no fun. And at that point, I thought, yeah, this is a teachable moment. Yeah, car payments are no fun. And here's the thing. If you have a car payment, then you have debt. And if you have a car payment, you have to keep a job you might not like. So the longer you can go without a car payment is a really, really good place to be in life. And it's really her talking about cars and her thinking about car payments 
has got me thinking and talking about cars right now. And, I, and I've been talking about cars a lot lately because I drive a big old GMC Yukon. And for the most part, it's just me in it these days. I'm not soccer mom anymore. I'm not driving the kids around Wait, as much. Where are you driving your kids to? Right. I've been thinking, you know, well, I'm going to switch, get a new car, do something different. And then the gas prices went down. And I was just like, you know what? I think good karma, that's her name, by the way. Good karma wants to hang around and be a good garden shuttling, plant shuttling, tree shuttling, tool shuttling vehicle for me good for a little bit longer. Good karma has hauled bags of soil and amendments and all kinds of gardening things all over this great state we call Texas. Oh, yeah. When I purchased that vehicle, I purchased it because I had been in a really bad car wreck and my car had been totaled and I was driving a small car. And after that, I, my PTSD said, you need a big car that will feel more protected. Sometimes you feel like you need a large car just to compete. Oh, yeah. Especially in Texas with big trucks everywhere. I mean, and we're not even talking about just big pickup trucks. We're talking about big oil tankers, mm -hmm. you know, and all kinds of big trucks all around us. I don't buy new cars. I don't do car payments. That's my own personal return on investment kind of agenda. So I bought that car used about six years ago, yeah. and it had nearly 90,000 miles on it already. And I knew the family that had it. I knew That's them. Funny. I knew, Yeah, exactly. And Are we a big, small town or a small, big town? We'll discuss that some other time. <laughs> right. I put 100,000 miles on that car in six years. That's Texas, baby. <laughs> That's a rural, country driving, gas mileage. I'm helping the economy. <laughs> You're a good American. I'm a good American. I really appreciate that strong, healthy vehicle, and it, it's got a new transmission in it already. So I'm just going to drive it. I'm going to drive it until it doesn't drive anymore. But in the midst of all of these conversations, and Lily and I always talk about, is that I have an affinity for a Jeep, and I want a Jeep Wrangler real bad. I'm going to have a Jeep Wrangler someday. I'm going to drive it sometimes. <laughs> I love I, a Jeep Wrangler. If I let you. My first car that wasn't a hand-me-down car was a Jeep Cherokee. Uh-huh. God, that car was awesome. I hated to give mm -hmm. that car away. I had a Jeep Liberty, and I liked it, and it was red. Yeah. That's my thing. I like red cars, although my car right now is not red, but I like red cars. The, the, the Jeep Wrangler has become an interesting thing because now she wants a Jeep Wrangler. That's what she wants. Yeah. Yeah, someday I'm going to have a toy car. Yeah, a toy a Jeep car. Wrangler toy the toy vehicle. car that's over there that whoever wants to use it at that moment that who needs to get to go to the beach and yeah that's what i want to you're mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. you know speaking of helping the economy our personal economy one of the th we talked about intermittent fasting last week if you didn't listen to the episode go back listen we're not telling you what to do we're telling you what we do we've gotten a lot of response oh, yeah. a lot of people were interested in that subject people yeah. that have spoken to me directly about it but we talked about the economy of our home mm -hmm. and how eating one meal a day or OMAD, as you mentioned, uh -huh. means that we're spending less money on food. But the food is abundant, as you said earlier. I feel like we are learning how to manage leftovers better. We did a we good job. We talked about that yeah. last week, but the amount of leftovers that we've got right now. Mm. But you're right. You mentioned we made this whole big casserole. Uh -huh. We don't want to eat on that for six days in a row, nor will it stay good that long. Right. So we ate about half of it and stuck the other half in a freezer, wrote chicken spaghetti on it. And someday mm -hmm. in the near future, and this is one of the questions that let's get to in a second, 
when do we pull that out? How long do we wait before we bring the leftovers back in? But the chicken spaghetti was just one thing we made with that chicken, that whole chicken that I made in the Instant Pot, not knowing exactly what I was going to do with the meat. We have talked about this quite a bit, making sure that we're using every dollar. And so we're using every part of that chicken. And one of the things that I like to make is chicken salad. You kind of called it. How much chicken are you going to be using for that chicken spaghetti? Not Mm -hmm. the whole thing. I want to call the rest for a chicken salad. It's all yours, baby. Yes. And we don't do that very often. I mean, I might take like a little bit of chicken that's left over and just like toss it up real quick and make basically one chicken salad meal out of it or a couple of sandwiches. But I made chicken salad and ate on chicken salad for like four days. Lily ate on chicken salad because she loves chicken salad. And I actually did a video about this on my YouTube channel. The way I Your like YouTube to make... YouTube channel, Aislinn Campbell. Yes, oh. please subscribe if you're interested. It's more of me. <laughs> Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want more Aislinn in their life? We haven't even talked about your hair color. Let's just move oh. on. Let's just move on. Let's just move on. Unanswer question. I like to make a briny, tart chicken salad. Some people like a sweet with grapes and apples. and Very, very creamy. Yes, real creamy. Mm -hmm. I like it more mustardy, more briny, like with pickles. You are appealing to the salt. The savory, the more savory savory than sweet. Yeah, that makes sense. But I do like different textures, different crunches, you know, things like that. So my chicken salad recipe is not really a recipe. It's just, okay, what do you have and what can you use to put into your chicken salad to get what you want out of it? What I used to make the chicken salad was... All the pickles we had, basically. Every single one. (laughs) All of them. We had some onions and pickle juice. We had garlic and pickle juice. We had some cauliflower and pickle juice. And then, of course, a pickle. I chopped all that up and threw that in there. I took a scoop of mustard seed. You had bought a jar of mustard seed, which I was really glad about. Hey, listen, honey. When you send me to the store for condiments... The grocery list request was simply Dijon mustard. Uh huh. So I think I bought two or three different Dijon mustards, including the one, like you're mentioning, which is mostly unprocessed mustard seed. I thought yeah. you, I thought you'd like that oh, one. Oh, it was great. It was perfect for my mm-hmm. chicken salad because it added the mustard flavor and the texture of the mustard seed, but it didn't add mustard, the creamy mustard. Like a yellow right. French's mustard. So of course I use the real mayo, which by the way, challenge. Here it comes. Oh, shit. Mayonnaise. We should be making our own mayonnaise. All right, I'm putting it on the list. <laughs> this list. This list is a horrible idea. It's just work for me. Right. Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. We should okay, totally mayonnaise. like... Mayonnaise is an easy thing to make that a lot of homemakers... Oh, wait. That's me. Ah, a lot of homesteaders, let's call it the homesteaders, like to make their own mayonnaise, especially when you have your own eggs. Yeah. So we should totally give that eggs a Eggs and oil, it's not a hard recipe. Mm-hmm, exactly. So mayonnaise. We're just leaving out the emulsifiers, which keeps it that creamy texture that you get in your mass-produced brands. Moving on. Well, we could talk about emulsification for a long, long time. Is that something you'd like to do? No. Okay, go ahead. Not at all. Not even a little bit. Then you go into the idea that I want to have some crunch in my chicken salad. Now, some people might use different types of nuts. Sometimes I do. If I've got lots and lots of pecans, if it's pecan season. Celery, I think, is popular for that. Celery is what I used this time. Good call. Yes, I used celery. I also went ahead and used a fresh onion. A lot of people don't like fresh onion. I love the flavor of fresh onion. Most of our onions are coming from like nice garden. They're not hot. They're good, Mm -hmm. sweet, fresh onions. 
And then of course, we've got our backyard chicken. So we've always got some boiled eggs in the fridge. So I pulled out a couple of boiled eggs and throw those in there. That gives it a little bit more of that creamy texture, a little bit different texture. Protein pop. Another protein pop. Exactly. And then I add my seasoning to it. And I added some ground dill. I added some ground celery powder. Both of those two things I have actually brought from my own backyard. Yeah. And uh, parsley as well. Although parsley and celery are very similar. Celery is a a lot stronger of the flavor that you know of parsley. The little leaves of parsley just make it a pretty. So for me, the chicken salad isn't just about the flavor. It's also about. The pretty of it. What and does it and look there is no like? recipe that you're following. No, no, no. You I'm just, are a mad scientist. In I'm there. just doing... And that's how I like to cook. When I cook, I want it to all be in one pot. I would prefer to not have to actually cook anything. I would prefer to make it all very fresh and have it all just put together cold in the fridge. Yeah. So I make a lot of salads and pestos and things like that. Or I'll make tomato basil soup. So that's what ended up happening. And then we ate on that for days. I used some grain-free crackers and put it on top of lettuce and my for daughter you, would make toasted toast her bread and make sandwiches out of it and for you as a break fast mm-hmm. it's a nice balanced protein heavy meal which i know is what you're looking for right go back to last week's episode i had put my son on task removing the crab meat from the leftover crab from the seafood boil we had a very nice sized container of crab meat, had mm-hmm. a couple of servings of the chowder that we discussed last week, but now we've got half of a container of crab. Uh-huh. That crab meat ain't cheap. Nope. And you had a great idea. Yes, because, okay, I've been craving like these salty snacks. I want guacamole. I want salsa. I want You want things to dip salty things into. Yes, I want to eat chips and dips like everybody else, but I still want it to be clean and good and, you know, at my, the grain-free this and that. And yes, I know that it's like eating a vegan Oreo, you know, it's, (laughs) it's still, it, it might be vegan, but it's still made with hydrogenated oil, right? Right. Well, it's kind of the same concept when you're talking about dips and chips and things like that. It's not the healthiest option, but it is a healthier option if you're going to choose to do those types of things. And I like those types of things. So I suggested we do a cheesy hot crab dip. And I was all over the idea. It was perfect. It was really good. It was uh, cream cheese and mayonnaise and sour cream and cheddar cheese. We use that, as we always do, the Greek yogurt in lieu of sour cream. Yep. And then the white onion and then, of course, your lump crab meat that you put in there and some Worcestershire sauce and some lemon juice. And you pulled that thing all together. and Mix all of the things you just mentioned. Popped ba- it in bake the oven. it for a while. Mm-hmm. It comes out, and I don't care who you are. I don't care if you don't like seafood. That was just mm-hmm. delicious. Crab dip and chicken salad for like four days. You and I are creatives, uh-huh. and I love creatively using every bit of food that comes in here. Yes. So anytime you want to throw a crab dip at me when you know we've got half a container of crab, I am all for it. You yeah. want to take half that chicken that we made and make a big old batch of chicken salad? A, I don't have to make it. That's great. But B, I've got a snack of my own. I know that you're settled and Lily's eating on it and Hunter will begrudgingly say, I've never eaten this before, but I guess I'll try it. And oh, that's just yes. What it I do recall a night at like nine o'clock when your son came in and you were like, oh, you haven't eaten yet? Let me toast you some bread and make you a chicken salad sandwich. I was like, did I seriously hear that correctly? He tried that again with me last night when you and I... 
I had an impromptu drink at one of our favorite places that turned into an impromptu... Nibble on escargot. <laughs> and cold cucumber soup. I love living in a house and with a partner where we can say an impromptu nibble on escargot. And it's a very, very <laughs> real thing. But he texted me, hey, what's going on with dinner tonight? I said, we're making leftovers for something we'll talk about next week. And we're going to turn it into something else that we'll talk about next week. And he goes, okay, well, when are you getting home? Because I'm starving. Uh-huh. I simply texted back. In two weeks, you're going to have to answer that question all by yourself. Is Meaning, it two weeks? Two or three weeks Corwin's from now. Cortland's moving in this weekend. Two or three weeks from now, he'll be moving away and going on to, to, to college. He and Cortland are moving in together. We talked about that last week. You got to solve this problem for yourself, brah. But the point that I was making was you and I creatively making sure that we're not wasting money by buying food that we don't use. And it's never really a waste of money because we give all the leftovers to the chickens. But that's some pretty expensive chicken food if you think about it that way. Right. So I'm, I'm enjoying this little mm-hmm. chapter that we're in right now together. And then... And then... Out of nowhere, after we make chowder, I'm bragging to my friend, uh-huh. uh, one of the co-hosts on uh-huh. Beer in a Movie, who's from Maine. He, Maine. He's just... Yeah, he's, hey, bro. Hey, bro. I made a little chowder. And he goes... Oh, did you? Fantastic. I'm making some chowder myself and some lobster bisque tonight. And I was like, Nice. And then I go, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Yeah. And so he brought by a container of chowder. Huge container. Yeah, of chowder and then a container of bisque. The lobster bisque. chunks of lobster in it. Yeah. And so we got to, we we had some of that last night. And that was kind of our late night. That was our, after we had a nibble on escargot. Right. We came home Still and had a little a hungry. Let's see. Am I going to eat some, gonna eat some uh, <laughs> leftover awesome? Am I going to eat some? We had a little bit of extra amazing, or am I going to have the right two gourmet style soups that my friend just happened to send over? What I love best about the lobster bisque from my friend that's from Maine is that our family has a connection to Maine. Maine has been very important to us. Uh, My mom's dad lived in Maine and we traveled to Maine every summer for years. This is the first summer that somebody hasn't traveled to Maine in at least a decade, probably more. Curse you, COVID. And then the same thing happened to our friend that brought the lobster bisque by. They go every year. Because that's where their family's from. They go from. home. Yes. I miss it so much. I can only imagine how much that it family misses broke it. broke their hearts. I imagine that their lobster bisque crab chowder making was- Had to be. Had to be something to like bring the girls back yeah. to like, here, we're going to have little pieces of We're not of going home. to Maine, but let's try to recreate a little bit of that cuisine here in our own home. I appreciate that. Here's my hurrah to summer maniacs because I'm a summer maniac at heart. And I'm you have told me many, many times that as we progress in age and have a little bit more freedom to mm-hmm. move around, that you intend on spending a portion of your summers in Maine. Yes, I plan to spend a month in Maine Every as year. soon as I can get to that point where I can leave For in July yeah. or leave in June when I'm not gardening here and go to Maine. I'm going to do that. Yeah, because it's not 110 degrees there. Right. And also it. it's awesome and I love Maine. It I just is. love it there. I love Maine. So back to my original question. Mm-hmm. When do we reintroduce the leftovers of, say, today, day zero, 
I think you actually do it fairly quickly. I think you do it quicker than we have done it in the past. I think that when it comes to certain types of like heavy cream soups and things like that, we wait till we get a little closer to winter. But I think when it comes to something like a chicken spaghetti in the freezer, the next time we have a night where, you know, you're going to be recording one of the podcasts. I pull it out of the freezer a day or so early, let it completely thaw out, and then it's available to us without a lot of fuss and muss. Right. That's And I think that that happens fairly quickly. You want to say two weeks from now? Yeah. And I think that probably what I can say the most about this episode and how these two meals came together and then the conversation about picking up fruit at the fruit stand and then delivering that when you have abundance share, because it creates a system of abundance and it creates a plentiful mindset in yourself and in your neighbors with your friends. And so I want to be a part of a food abundant culture and that we share with one another. And I like that. And that meant a lot to me. And I think that that's a really, really good way to explain that's how this episode came together. And it has been nice to have plenty and it has been nice to be shared with and to share our food. And that when you give, you tend to get? Absolutely. Yeah. Always, always. You said good karma earlier. Just good karma. Good karma. Last week's table topics, which is where we're going now. Last week's table topics was such a good question. I really enjoyed the whole Noah's Ark. I wish we'd gone deeper. You think so? Uh, Yeah. This week, I think we're going to get in and out of this one pretty quickly. Okay. Are you ready? Would you rather spend a week in jail or serve two years of community service? The question is flawed. Right. A week in jail, who wants to do that? Well, I think that it's possible that there's some moms out there that could use a week in jail. And I don't mean that because they need to go to jail. I mean that because they could use the break. (laughs) They could use the quiet time to sit and read and have their own thoughts to themselves. And I know that in a, proba- quiet. a probation often for people that get out of jail or people that avoid jail is community service. Some level of hours that you've got to compete with in some kind of time window. Mm-hmm. So the question doesn't give you a lot of information about how much community service, X hours a week for two years. Right. But I feel like you and I are constantly engaged in community service. So my mm-hmm. answer is the latter, right. simply because that's just the lifestyle that we kind of choose to live. That's why I said this is going to be probably a pretty easy one. Yeah. I mean... Truth- Let's amend the question. What community service would you choose to do if any kind of gardening anything was not available in the equation? I would choose beach cleanup. Why? Because I like to have clean beaches. And you're at one with nature while you're doing this quote unquote work? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I definitely would never choose the ones where you have to sit behind a desk and answer the phone or something like that. No, 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 no. As a matter of fact, there's a particular volunteer program that you can get for gardening if you choose to, but because the, a lot of the volunteer work is actually sitting behind a desk answering the phone, that's the main reason why I probably will never do it because I don't want to use my volunteer service that way. I want to use my volunteer service like out actually digging in the dirt and cleaning up. Now, I would prefer not to be one of the ones that's on the like roadside highway picking up that trash. Yeah, I do see those folks and I tend to feel sorry for them, even though I know they're probably repaying some debt uh, to society as per the rules that exist in our state. I think that that's what's interesting about the question is, is that someone would choose to go to jail rather than do... So I don't have to do that other crappy thing. Right. 
the neighborliness that we talked about earlier in the episode, mm-hmm. the idea that some of society's ills that are making all the headlines right now might be solved if we all had more of a community service-minded attitude. I remember you running for mayor talking about community responsibility, mm-hmm. that we have gotten to a place in our community, as was your assertion, that we're waiting on someone else to fix it. But right. no, we as the community must fix it if it's right. going to be fixed in the way that the community wants it to be fixed. Because the truth of the matter is I'm doing it all for myself. So if I'm doing some community service, it's because I want my community to be better for me. If it annoys us, then it shouldn't exist. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. Probably. Um, You have foam on your mustache and it's like really...